and welcome back to Ghoul's Night In, the spooky chat show with your best ghoul friends. I'm Penny Snark. And I'm Edge Munster. Um, I already I already used this line in, the, in our most recent episode, so I, I feel silly reusing it now, but I have it written <laughs> down, so I have to. But uh, hi, gay. Happy Pride Month. <laughs> hey. Hi, it's gay. officially Pride Month. Um, and I wanted to, of course, start our Pride Month off by talking about something gay because Excellent. we should. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Uh, so today I want to talk a little bit about queer representation in horror films. Mm. And I know we have addressed this a little bit um, kind of from a third party lens when we did like our Queer for Fear recap. Um, but this is kind of more through through my own lens. Um, and I do just want to say up front that, of course, we are going to be talking about both the positive and unfortunately a lot of the negative representation mm. of queer people in horror today. So we are going to be dealing with topics of homophobia and transphobia, as well as uh, touching on some some racism and things like that. So just so that you have that up front, there are some sensitive topics in here, but we will try to handle them with as much care as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, but like I said, as we've talked about before, um, especially with our, our queer for, if you haven't listened to our queer for fear episode recap, uh, now's a great time to go listen. It's a great episode. You should. It's really good. It's very good. It's a great, great. And go watch it as well. <laughs> Re- rewatch queer for fear. It's, it's June. Um, but horror as a genre is inherently political and it, you know, deals with survival and most of the storylines include some degree of social commentary throughout the entire genre. Uh, Even if it's mostly through subtext, we can find representation of queer people all throughout history of horror. Uh, Unfortunately, though, through that, we also have ended up with things like the barrier gaze trope and queer people being portrayed heavily as villains in horror uh, and film as a whole. That's also just like riddled through like Disney animation and Ooh, all kinds yes. of things. Oh, Every, yes. Villains are very queer coded. Um, but there have also been some great representations of uh, queer people and trans people in the last several years. Um, and, you know, horror was showing us on screen long before we were represented anywhere else. And so, uh, like I said, we're going to take a very abridged journey (laughs) (laughs) through the uh, representation of queer people, the good, the bad, and the ugly in the horror genre. And I was telling Penny right before we started recording, I was like, I don't know what this is going to... I could have literally written a, like, doctoral thesis. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I started going, I was like, there's so much here. So this is going to be very abridged. Uh, Obviously, there's so much to unpack here. So, um, you know, take time this month and every month to to research these things and and see the history. It's very fascinating. Uh, But like I said, when it comes to horror, a lot of LGBTQ plus characters are painted as villains. And we just came out of talking about this in our Exorcist episode. That is thanks to a little thing we call the Hayes Code. Boo. (laughs) Boo. Uh, Because from 1934 to 1967, the film industry censored anything that was considered to be perverse in nature. And that, of course, extended to any sort of homosexual representation and at all. And the only way that queer people could be shown on screen is if they were shown as evil. Boo. Oh, oh no. (laughs) 
so the and the Hays Code, it, again, we could go on forever. It was so problematic on so many levels, not only because it was homophobic, but it was also aggressively racist. Mm-hmm. Um, and even though the code was overturned 50 plus years ago now, we are still seeing so many lasting effects in today's media uh, that Hollywood is just like refusing to reckon with. And it's very sad. It definitely set a standard for cinema in general. Uh, and the ripple effects are really sad. <laughs> yeah. I did want to, something that I thought of after the Exorcist episode, so I'm mm-hmm. glad we're bringing it up again. Yeah, come on, come uh, on around. Is uh, they do, so they talk about the Hays Code a lot in Queer for Fear, um, mm-hmm. but I would also really recommend, um, there's an episode of You're Wrong About, um, about mm. the movie rating system um, that has Karina Longworth of You Must Remember This, which is a Hollywood history podcast. And so they talk a lot about the Hayes Code and how it led uh, to the modern rating system. And it's nice. very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It's very. If anyone wants to deep dive into yeah, that deep specifically. Dive. Oh, yeah. Especially, yeah. If you're a film person, if that's something you love, it's it's so important also just to kind of see how that has shaped the landscape of media yes. forever. Like it has literally changed every practice and everything we do. Um, but when we talk about Hayes Code era horror. Uh, the first film I have to p- take a, a pit stop at is 1936's Dracula's Daughter. <laughs> da, da, da. Uh, if you've not seen Dracula's Daughter, uh, this is one of the most loudly sapphic films of all time. And uh, it has absolutely zero mentions of homosexuality in it whatsoever because it's during the Hayes Code, but it is loudly gay without ever having to say a word. Uh, the main plot of this film is that the Countess, who is the daughter of Count Dracula, uh, her name is Maria, and she takes a very strong interest in a female victim. And the film is taking place after the death of Count Dracula. I think I already said that, maybe. Whoops. (laughs) (laughs) Um, basically the Countess is now convinced that because Dracula is dead, her curse of wink wink vampirism mm. wink wink will be lifted from her and that she will be cured of her ailment uh and there's this there's so much subtext here there's a scene where maria like confides in her assistant that her curse is finally going to be lifted and she will be able to like quote live a normal life and think normal thoughts ah yes you those know. normal non-vampire thoughts right uh and this desperation to be like cured of her inner turmoil ends up leading to her seeking help from a psychiatrist high conversion therapy and (laughs) everything about the subtext of this film is a a queer woman working through trying to convince herself she's not queer Mm. um the camera work the underscoring, the overall tone of the film is all of this, like these long shots of her, like longing after her, after female victims. And she has, she has, I think one male victim. And that scene is like, bite, done. Like it's not, (laughs) she's like, bye, doesn't care, boy, bye. Uh, and then every other scene with like Lily and the other like females is the, are these long like seductive hypnosis. She's like looking over their bodies for twenty minutes. It's so queer. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and this is 
kind of recognized as the earliest lesbian vampire trope, which becomes a, a, a ringing thing we see throughout horror cinema moving forward. Um, but it also, of course, is problematic in a lot of ways yeah. because here the queer person is predatory. The The yep. idea of her lesbianism is that she is seeking out people to attack more or less um and unfortunately again with our our haze code uh the lesbian undertones of this film are specifically used to like increase repulsion in the audience to to shock and mm. upset um and so the horror there is homosexuality <laughs> uh very problematic and we see this through all the classic monster films you can find it they're all just like laden with queer sub subtext um but this one in particular i think is a really important watch if you're if you're brushing up on your queer horror history uh and like i said because of this we we're seeing this it sets a standard and even in a post post haze code world uh we still see a lot of instances of queer characters and horror that are only shown to us in a subtextual format uh and you know you know i had to talk about this do you, do you know where we're going penny uh 1985 is it the bride of frankenstein no not in 1985 oh, <laughs> i was already thinking i was but, thinking but about you bride had, is i mean the classic horror i know bride is a, a lipstick lesbian that's that's just a yes. fact. that whole movie <laughs> is about her repulsion of men and or yeah of men repulsion repulsed by men, men anyway yeah. she's queer and we all know it um i do claim her as my mother <laughs> <laughs> uh there's also they talk about that in queer for fear which is something i totally missed uh watching it just like the idea of this man obsessed with creating life without a woman mm -hmm. like i don't know so so many things we could go on we i could have literally just done the monster films for 45 <laughs> minutes um but in 1985 th this film i think uh plays well off of dracula's daughter we get nightmare on elm street oh too. yes <laughs> and this is another of of my personal favorite queer horror films and this is a lot of people's absolute least favorite film in the nightmare franchise and i have a bone to pick with all of you um i understand that it is definitely outside of the franchise in the way that like we, freddy is different in this one <laughs> <laughs> um but i love this movie and not just because my uncle is the star of it um but freddy's revenge is a film full of very not so quiet subtext and our main character jesse is our scream king absolute love him um and he's that's not like quote not the point of the film but he's definitely coming to terms with his sexuality and the the crummy thing here is that the writer of this film will up and down swear that 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 there was no intent of there being any queer subtext in this film hmm. however have you seen nightmare on elm street too? i have not okay <laughs> when you I, i'm if, I'm, fa I'm familiar i am familiar yeah. with it i have if not and when you watch it. this you'll be like what <laughs> i was gonna say i know i know enough about it to know that it is infamously gay yeah uh jam-packed there's literally a gay bar scene where jesse like runs into his gym coach in like full 
cross-dressing like bdsm attire <laughs> and there's this litter's like homoerotic sport montage like i mean it's just the gayest thing you've ever seen and of course we can't forget the classic line uh when freddie is taking over jesse's body and jesse says and i quote he's inside me and he wants to take me again ah. but it's not gay guys it's not gay at all <laughs> it's not gay okay? you know when you know when a man's inside you and wants to take you in a totally not gay in a way? in a bro way in, in just a this really way. straight villainous way yeah no homo bro <laughs> uh so here again and at the Oh, this I love this movie, but it makes me mad. At the height of the freaking AIDS crisis, no less, mm -hmm. we have once again a film showing homosexuality as the monster that is like literally taking over a young boy's life and body as he fights to like quote stay normal, right? Mm -hmm. And while this film has since become a queer classic, um, it's just blatantly homophobic, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, especially even like down to the way it was produced so as i blipped over a second ago mark Patton, who plays jesse is my uncle and he also has a great documentary on shutter called scream queen my nightmare mm -hmm. on elm street great watch um about the the way this film kind of unfortunately ruined his life in a lot of ways even though it also propelled him to stardom much later um he more or less got outed pu very publicly yeah. during the AIDS crisis because of this film. And um, a quote, this is a quote from him uh, that he said, I always thought the real villain in my story was David Shaskin, the writer. He insisted for so many years that he hadn't written it as a gay film, but I knew that he had. He would always blame it on me and say, well, I didn't write it that way, but Mark was just so gay that he made the whole movie gay boo <laughs> uh so very problematic in a lot of ways um but also again a great for so many people the first time they saw someone on screen who who was them you mm -hmm. know yeah i mean um, i'm i'm sure this will come up and we talked about semi this kind of stuff in queer for fear but it's just it's both it's sad but also heartening how many like things that were just like shitty and homophobic that queer people have been like nope actually actually i'm taking this that. back i like this so absolutely too bad yeah. <laughs> you can't and... you can't use this against me because i'm gonna like it exactly and yeah every unfortunately up to the last few years most <laughs> yeah because most we things were, we were are forced like that. to do that right exactly that was your only option to see and that's queerness. yeah the story for so many any type of marginalized people for a, you yeah. know like i mean mm -hmm. there's the, the the representation that you receive is what you have and whether it's great or not it's what you have <laughs> speaking of which let's talk about trans representation kind of in horror uh, -oh. uh yeah now penny you already touched on this a bit in our silence of the lambs episode mm -hmm. um and we're going to talk about another trope that is the quote cross-dressing serial killer unquote uh so obviously in silence of the lambs we have our our killer jane gum or buffalo bill and i've now seen this film yes. <laughs> which I, I had not at the time that we discussed it so now i actually have 
context and lots of thoughts and feelings. I will say, as a whole, I thought this was one of the best films I've ever watched, just cinematically. I was like, wow, that's a great freaking film. Um, but unfortunately, it also comes with its problems because yeah. Buffalo Bill's gender identity is handled in a number of very problematic ways. Um, he is, like I said, a classic uh, version of this killer transgender trope. And uh, that's kind of originally made famous by Psycho, Alfred mm-hmm. Hitchcock. Uh, Norman Bates obviously dresses up as his mother to kill because that's apparently a thing people think people do. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> um, but very specifically, what I want to talk about Silence of the Lambs is that one of the most standout scenes in this film is where buffalo bill is dressing up in front of a mirror kind of has a fabric on tucks and is posing wearing the scalp of one of their victims um and the reason like a it's a very like jarring scene because this person's wearing the scalp of a, yeah. <laughs> a woman as um, previously mentioned right and like, someone's scalp. right so there's that and like there's you know we've got a victim in the other room like at the bottom of the well screaming help at the top of their lungs and everything's happening um but it it's this juxtaposition of the idea that like buffalo bill putting on femme identity is being portrayed just as sinister as murder yeah (laughs) um and the end effect whether or not that's the intent is showing trans femme people as inherently violent towards cis women Mm -hmm. in order to achieve femininity and while obviously this is shown like in an extreme version in silence of the lambs like literally killing women to gain their skin to be feminine um that is a very real fear that is perpetuated in so many ways still today i i while i was thinking about this i kept specifically thinking about dylan mulvaney yeah because like the way that i see if if you don't know dylan um she's a, a trans woman on tiktok who has done this series of has been very just like public about her transition and of course people have taken it upon themselves to attack her (laughs) in every way Mm, possible um and there's this repetitive thing i see when people are looking for ways to tear her down where they're saying things that like basically that somehow she is stealing something away from cis women yeah by living in her truth and so I really feel like things representations like silence of the lambs are perpetuating the stigma that like trans femme people are literally taking from cis women yeah. in some way uh when obviously that is not an accurate representation uh and when we talk about transphobia and horror we obviously have to make a little stop at sleepaway camp uh penny I have to ask again, have you seen Sleepaway Camp? I have not seen Sleepaway Camp. <laughs> I, I was Camp. guessing probably not this one. <laughs> this one's more of a deep cut. Um, and again, another one that has been kind of like reclaimed as a queer classic. Mm-hmm. Um, but but spoil, big spoilers. This I am going to just talk about the end of this movie because we have to. Um, the twist ending to this film 
is that our killer angela is revealed to have like quote been a man the whole time and it's it's just like this cheap <laughs> construct yeah. which mm-hmm. i don't want to shit on this movie because i do think in a lot of ways it's an important film felissa rose is an incredible actress like there there's so many good things about this movie um but it's this cheap trick of like continuing to make the villain seem even more strange and distance from society than they already were by being you know a murderer right yeah by them being like and also they're but transgender also. yeah the it's, worst it's, thing a person can be yeah it's 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 portrayed as like an an ultimate deception exactly and so uh you, yeah you've led perfectly into Sorry. this like <laughs> no, no 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 yeah I'm, I'm glad that you're there with me because like in some way horror wants to shock scare or make you uneasy right that's the whole yep. point and so sleepaway camp unfortunately does that by exploiting homosexuality and trans panic (laughs) (laughs) and the the whole ending of this film is so freaking bizarre it ends very abruptly there's no closure like the end of this film is uh, we we get angela's identity through flashbacks and they're like she's actually her dead brother peter and (laughs) her aunt forced her to live as a girl and also her dad was gay and somehow that's important (laughs) like it's just the weirdest thing and so we get all this information very rapidly in these flashbacks that feel very um oh what's it called when you subliminal like it's like oh the horror of gayness and then we see angela with her naked body and her genitalia and then the film's like over and that's the whole thing it's very bizarre Mm, and jarring and not jarring in the way I think they thought they were achieving. It's yeah. <laughs> jarring in the like, oh my god, what? Um, like in a in a queer horror way, like for queer people being like, oh god. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because like, it, uh, what? Why are you doing uh, this? Who? Yeah. Like it just. Like I said, we we've reclaimed it in a lot of queer spaces. I'm sure there are also. I cannot speak for trans people. I'm sure there are plenty of people who w- would just shit on this movie and yeah. that's valid too. Um, but it, it relies again on this idea that queer and trans people are like insidiously infiltrating straight spaces with the intent to do harm to heterosexual people. <laughs> uh, and it's so tricky because again this is one of the only places in horror where we have a a a transgender woman though also the writers of this film will again swear up and down like well that's not she's not trans it's that she's a a boy and she was forced to live as a woman like okay well Uh, yes whatever you say jeremy so that with all of these negative representations like i said there are also thousands of examples of people who watched these things however problematic and saw themselves on screen for the first time yeah but are there good representations of queer people in horror and if so what does that look like uh because a lot of times if we are not villainized queer characters are 
dead. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) On the chopping block. Uh, Yeah. And as we kind of touched on earlier, there is this barrier gaze trope. This is not exclusive to horror. It's all over the place. Oh, yes. um, In cinema and media and everything. And in a in a great roundabout way they still found a way to demonize queer people through this trope because as we discussed in our slasher episode horror movies are also like based on the idea of morality Mm -hmm. and people like that are having sex that are sluts or whatever are punished for their sins by death right in these films um like the final girl is a lot of times like a pious virginal woman because she's like made quote good choices <laughs> yeah the purest the pure uh and so pretty frequently once a queer person is outed in a horror film once we once we gain the knowledge that this character is gay then they usually die pretty soon after that because they're being like what that's i mean not that anyone ever expressly says that but that they get more or less quote punished right yep. for for being queer um so that sucks um but i will say in the last several years we're starting to see a reversal of this trope and it's really exciting one of my favorite examples of the uh full reversal like literally the most hardcore reversal of the barrier gaze trope i've ever seen um is in the new sci-fi series the chucky series Mm -hmm. the television um so first of all chucky as a franchise is very gay it always has been uh now it has been with its own problems uh if you've ever seen seed of chucky chucky has a child glenn slash glenda who is non-binary and the series has finally confirmed that um but there were a series of problematic issues with seed of chucky as well like again we're seeing non-binary representation but there's also this very problematic scene where like they literally check in glenn's pants like it's just there yeah so it's had its own string of issues but they also were they were touching on things long before a lot of people even knew what the word non-binary was right um so now in in the series we have confirmed non-binary representation in glenn glenda which is very exciting um but also in the very first episode of the chucky series um our protagonist is is a gay man and that's exciting let alone but in the very first episode his homophobic father gets absolutely smoked noise and it was such a like double down on like we're we're rooting for the queers in this series and it didn't feel um it didn't feel like signally it was like this is what we're about in this series and that was very exciting um the show is just really unapologetically queer and has like a a nice queer love story amongst everything else that's happening because not every queer person has to go through a horror show just experiencing nothing but trauma yeah. <laughs> it's amazing uh we've also of course had uh, lots of lesbian protagonists in the last couple of years in both the fear street franchise and the scream franchises um now i will not go too deep here because obviously scream is still very new and especially the most recent film is very mm-hmm. new um we are i will just say there are definitely still things we're working on it's still (laughs) there's still things we're working on and that's okay 
Um, however, seeing like strong, intelligent, and also very importantly in both Fear Street and Scream, black and Latina lesbian characters hey. uh, spearheading those storylines is like a really exciting change of pace. And I think we're seeing a lot of people trying to actively reckon with the past of horror. Now, granted, a lot of these writers and creators are queer people <laughs> hey. um, because representation is is so important in all facets full stop but like especially with horror the fan base of the genre is so queer right horror draws so many of our kind because <laughs> we can relate to the the otherness that a lot of these characters experience and so it only makes sense to tell lgbtq stories in these films and not just in a way that makes us the monster yep um and it's exciting to see those shifts starting to happen because i think even queer people making movies felt like they had to play into those tropes for so long in order to be seen at all right yeah, for sure um i mean kevin williamson writer of screen yes. as we have talked <laughs> about is a queer man and uh i feel like we're finally you know here here he's been like owning the horror game for two decades <laughs> and we're just now finally seeing uh a story about a queer person being like told well in his franchise and it as soon as we give ourselves the permission to tell our stories i think the, the rest will follow so i'm hopeful <laughs> even though yes. I, mm -hmm. we spent a lot of this episode talking about um bad examples you know, bad examples but also i think that's i think it's important for us to revisit just where we've been um so that we can continue to learn and grow and and take you know take whatever you want from those films you're allowed to love a problematic film if you understand it's problematic yes. <laughs> <laughs> so please if i have i have um crapped on any of your favorite films today i apologize uh but please know that these are all in my canon of favorites and i understand uh i understand why people love them and i understand why people hate them equally yeah. <laughs> some, some, sometimes you you gotta give tough love to the things that you love the most because yes. you're like all right we can do better <laughs> exactly we can and we are and we will and i'm excited hell yeah and with that being said Happy Pride Month, everybody. Happy Pride Month. <laughs> Go out, make queer horror, make it make it good, make it exciting. Um, there, like I said, this was so abridged. I there were a gajillion other examples we could have. I didn't even talk about Jennifer. Can you believe we made it through a queer horror episode and I didn't even talk about Jennifer's body? I mean, you're gonna have to do an entire episode. On it, it does body, have to be so. its own episode. <laughs> <laughs> so for for all the. Uh, the queer femme people right now that are like where the hell was jennifer check i promise it's coming it's just it's coming. so near and dear to me that I, it needs its its whole own moment um but yeah that is all i have on that for today thank you so much for listening and uh, especially also i just want to say a special thank you to any of our people who are listening who are not queer and are just great allies <laughs> thank you for thank you for listening to uh episodes like this and hopefully learning something and you know share that with other people because it's it's important especially yes. spread the love month and every month yes um 
If you would like to tell us how much you like this podcast, we would sure love that. And you can do that by leaving us a review. Um, if you are able to on your podcatcher of choice. Uh, if not, we do accept them through messages, through comments on Podbean, from wherever you can reach us. We'll happily take those. And I believe, Penny, you have a, a uniquely submitted <laughs> review for us today. I do. I do. Uh, yes, this review comes through our Podbean comments. Ooh. And it is from Keji, uh, who says, five out of five screams. Spiders, poison, and asquatch. Oh my. Penny and Midge make reliving your childhood uh, with so many spooky facts and casual conversation that I've learned from this podcast. Thanks for making me look cool in front of my friends. I especially love the trivia episode and the ones about weird superstitions. Thanks for the laugh, schools. I completely forgot about Asquatch until this Asquatch, moment. Asquatch. <laughs> Someone who somebody messaged me about Asquatch the other day and I was like, ah Well somebody has you. to. <laughs> you again. You again. <laughs> my old friend. My my old enemy. My old <laughs> Well, thank you for that. Thank you for reminding us of Asquatch and uh Leave us your reviews because we, we love to read them and they bring us back fond memories of the past. Yes, so many <laughs> fond memories. Uh, if you are wanting to see more content from us or if you're wanting to send us those messages, you can find us on Instagram at Ghouls Night in Pod. And if you are looking for me, you can find me across the interwebs at Midge Munster. And you can find me at Penny Snark. And until next time. Goodbye. Good